Please be seated. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious God, we ask that the, the words of our mouths thoughts in our hearts will find acceptance in your sight. Amen. <clears throat> There's a, a book that was written a couple years ago and it was uh, listed as one of the best books. It was called um, Why Does the World Exist? And it was written by Jim Holt who I think writes for, uh, he's been a columnist, written for some other uh, publications. But it's a very interesting book. For some reason, uh, Holt asked the philosophical question, why is there something rather than nothing? Now, we may not have put it in those terms, but my guess is everybody has asked that type of question in, in one way or another. You know, why are we, why are we here? And uh, it, was, it was quite interesting because he went around the world. He, he knew a lot of people. He knew Christopher Hitchens. He was friends with Christopher Hitchens, who was an atheist. Uh, he talked to theologians. He talked to scientists. He talked to all sorts of people. And they all gave somewhat of a different answer. But what I like best is uh, a, a Christian named uh, Kirby John Caldwell said, uh, there are two great moments in our lives. The moment we are born, I think we can all agree on that, right? That's, that's a good one. And the moment we realize why we were born. Why we were born. And, and we may say, gee, I, don't, I still don't know. And Holt didn't, you know, he was kind of asking that question. He still didn't know. But this is such a rich book and such a rich story because I think that his answer wasn't in finding an answer, but in the quest in the quest. I remember uh, my grandfather gave me a book that just came to me. Uh, <clears throat> he gave me several books, and Henry Landon gave me quite a few books um, uh, from the seminary when they had been there years and years and years ago. There was a professor at Drew back in the, I think, the 20s. His name was Edwin Lewis. He was probably one of our best British, I believe. But he was one of our best uh, systematic theologians. And he wrote a book that I've always loved just because of the title. And it was called Jesus Christ and the Human Quest. I love that. Jesus Christ and the Human Quest. That title alone kind of sums up what, what we're about. The Human Quest and does Jesus Christ have something to say about that? So that's kind of the, the challenge. That's kind of the challenge that we have. And so... Are we going to discover that? Are we going to continue to seek to understand why we're here? Who are we? What are we, what are we as Christians? What are we as a church? What are we, uh, are, why are we here? It's an ongoing question. And it's a question that many times requires a leap of faith. If we look at life carefully, most of life requires a leap of faith, but it's something that we have to decide on our own. It's not something we can be pushed into doing. We really have to be honest with ourselves in making this quest. Now, uh, football coach uh, Bud Wilkinson was once asked if uh, he felt that the sports, uh, the growth of sports in America 
had really led to better health for Americans and uh, spectator sports. And he said, absolutely not. He said, I'll give you an example. Take a football team. On a football team, uh, football team's playing a game in a stadium. You have 50,000 people who are in desperate need of exercise. Watching 22 men who are desperately in need of rest. It's true. That's true. So it's something we have to seek on our own. But we force ourselves. We tend to force others. Cecil B. DeMille, uh, didn't he do Ten Commandments? Yes, he also did King of Kings. And W.B. Warner was the head character. And Dorothy Cummings, I think, was the actress who played uh, Mary. I read about this. I was not there at the time. I mean, I don't, I don't remember seeing King of Kings. I do remember seeing uh, Ten Commandments, though. But uh, what was interesting was that, that uh, DeMille was so concerned that the actors who played in this film uh, act the part, that he made them sign contracts that they would not participate in any other, take part in another movie that had questionable characteristics or anything like that. They, uh, Warner had to be kind of almost kept under wraps. Uh, he wasn't able out to go out or do anything like that. It's just very, very restrictive and kind of ridiculous, we might say. The surprising thing is it didn't help. Warner, who had had a problem with... with uh, dealing with a congregation that um, the, the church at Corinth, as I've mentioned so many times before, was a very challenging church. In fact, you might say it was a growing church. It was an alive church. But it was a church in constant strife because there was this feeling that each member uh, was more spiritually su superior to the, the next one. And it was a real crisis for Paul to deal with. And so he, he needed to find creative ways of looking at what it means to be the church, what it means to be a Christian. That's why we take so much of what we believe from the reflections in the letters of Paul, which were so valuable that we even have them today. They were kept wisely by the church. But here's the thing, creativity Creativity, the creative aspect of our mind, is something that we are losing. We are losing it in our culture. Because children have been tested for years and years and years on their, on their creativity. We know children are very creative. And, and now every generation we would saw, see a little more uh, creativity in children. It's amazing with scientific discoveries, etc. Until the 90s. And then in the 90s, it began to change. The children were not as creative as those who had gone before. And it's baffling. They're trying to understand, why is this? Why is this? Maybe it's just too much video and TV and things that are done that are, are kind of draining creativity. But I like what one Christian said, the, uh, a Christian blogger. He said, what we really need is to have uh, creative people as Christians, 
The field's wide open. We need creative scientists. We need creative engineers. We need creative artists, creative teachers. We need creativity to help us discover, rediscover, and see new ways of understanding what the Christian Creative mind. And so he, he gave them this metaphor of the church. He said, you know, the church is like a body. And each part is independent, but also dependent on the rest of the body. And so the hand cannot say to the foot, I do not need you, or, or whatever. But then he goes on, and he's, he says, you know, really, even the things that we hide from one another that we don't think are I don't need you because I've been given the gift of administration, whatever it was. And so Paul has this creative way of understanding what it means to be uh, a Christian, what it means to be someone who rediscovers in our own day. The proximate character of our church, of our gifts, is one of the wonderful things about the church, is that we share our gifts, that we're all doesn't always work well together. Anybody who exercises knows that. You know? Gee whiz, my knee's giving me trouble. If it weren't for my knee, I could run a lot faster. Well, that's not true. <clears throat> it's just not true. If I was 20 years younger, I could, I, could, I could run a lot faster. So finding that creative way for us uh, and, and the discovery, creativity. The world is losing it. This is a great opportunity for the, for the Christian faith to continue to rediscover new ways of understanding what it means to be people of God, to be human. Asking questions like, why does the world exist? Why am I here? Creative ways of continuing along the road. It's amazing when we come together. At uh, Chicago, uh, Kent College of Law, uh, <clears throat> there was a graduation ceremony and um, at the graduation, I think it was the, uh, the valedictorian, uh, whose name was Overton, who was called to the podium, and he was to give a speech or whatever. And uh, it's interesting, he was blind. So he came uh, up to the podium and he said, I can't accept uh, any award for anything I've accomplished here without sharing it with my best friend. And, uh, and his best friend's name, I think, was Kaspernak. And uh, Kaspernak was, was also uh, handicapped. Kaspernak had no arms, born without any arms. But they became friends because uh, one day, uh, Jed Overton was about to go down a flight of stairs. And being blind, there was so much rushing around, he really didn't, couldn't understand quite see it very clearly, literally see it clearly, and couldn't maneuver very well. Kaspernak came up behind him and said, here, I'll help you, and I'll, I'll tell you. 
how to get down the steps. So they, they walked down the steps together, and they started a friendship. And over the next couple of years, several years while they were in school, people would see them walking across campus. And, and Overton would have his arm uh, around uh, Kaspernak, and Kaspernak would be guiding them, but Overton would be carrying their books. And here, this wonderful friendship and how they complemented one another. This is a challenge. This is the challenge. But it's the opportunity, the creative ways of understanding how God is working in our lives and how we may work and live together. The different gifts. It's such a wonderful opportunity. And as time goes on, it requires a leap of faith. But we've all got to make it on our own. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the season. We thank you for the bright sun that shines and, and brings light and warmth to this world that gives growth to the seeds that have been planted. New life in our very midst. We give thanks for the new life that within us continues to be restored each and every day. We give thanks for the new life in our, in our families, in our communities. For in the midst of death and despair and so many problems in the world, where there has been fire, where there has been flood, new seeds are planted, homes are built, families have more children. There is hope for the future because you have brought us through the past. We give thanks for one another, and we are mindful that we do not walk this road alone. We give thanks for our brothers and sisters and those who are, who are brought before us in prayer. We pray for Katie and, and Steve, for Elaine, for Tom and, and Ken and their upcoming surgery, for Nick, remember Cynthia, for Mark, for Olga and Julie and Norma, Elaine. Pray for your continued blessing for Sydney. We pray for those in our community and for this community. We give thanks for the nation in which we live and a world that continues to struggle but hopefully advances toward peaceful existence together. We pray for our leaders and those that take us down roads we don't understand, but also those that are, are locked and cannot make decisions for government employees, those that are affected by, by the decisions made. So as we gather together, may we be more hopeful in the future as you have blessed us along the way. So we come before you with these our prayers and our own personal prayers.
And together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Receive the morning offering. 